Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and welcome to three core psychotherapy techniques life coaches can use. What's the difference between coaching and therapy? And I've written about this topic before, but now my new therapy client was actually asking me face to face. Charles wanted my help to quit smoking, but he was keen to chat before we got to work kicking his ashtray habit into Never Neverland. He wanted to talk about other stuff, so we chewed the fat for a bit. Three years ago, he began mistily. Already I could tell what he was about to say went deep. I saw a life coach. She was the best thing that ever happened to me. And a grateful tear formed at the corner of his eye. Well, other than my wife, you understand, he said. Charles described how he had gone to this particular life coach on recommendation because he wanted more direction in his business life. So it was a business decision to go and see this life coach. But as it turned out, that was the least of his worries. Okay, I was in a bad way, still traumatised by the death of my daughter in a road accident three years before, he said. I was depressed and anxious and angry. And that's what was stopping me from even thinking about my business. To help me with my career goals, my coach also had to make me emotionally, if this makes sense, stable. And I nodded. The way she helped me was so sensitive and effective. I started sleeping better and was no longer traumatized. I told her she was better than any therapy. So what had this life coach done for him? And it sounded like Charles's life coach had been a solution-focused therapist. So she'd clearly known her stuff and knew how to help people on the emotional level. Or perhaps she'd simply augmented her coaching skills with more psychologically therapeutic ones, or had qualified with a great coaching institute which looked at people in the round. Charles hadn't expected anything more than uh, for his coach to be able to help him construct clearer business goals and work out steps towards success. But the way she was able to help him move on from traumatic memories and feel hope for his future again was, he said, a godsend. She did more for him than he could ever have imagined. That's why he, his comment about better than any therapist uh, was powerful. In fact, he would have returned to her for help with his tobacco convulsion, but she'd since moved to Canada, so was no longer available. More recently, a, a life coach friend asked me to teach him some techniques he could use to help his clients at least begin to overcome emotional blocks. So here's three that I suggested to him. This isn't necessarily therapy, but it can be really therapeutic, and for some it can make all the difference. So technique number one, be a miracle maker. So how do you do that? Well, by asking the famous miracle question. So basically, the miracle question, beloved of by solution-focused therapists everywhere, is a goal-setting question that simply focuses on the client's desired result, regardless of whether the client feels that it is 
realistic or achievable at this point. So we're just asking the client to uh, run free with their imag imagination. So many coaches already use a variation of this, of course, but we encourage people to engage their creative selves, forget the hows and whens and wherefores, and really focus on what they want. So we're not thinking about how it, or whether it's possible at this point. We can always work backwards to get the actual steps to this miracle. So we might phrase the miracle question like this. We might um, say, if I wave a magic wand, if I were to wave a magic wand, and tonight, as you sleep, a miracle occurs, tell me in detail how your life will be different tomorrow. What will you notice? How will you be behaving? What will other people notice? How will your day be after the miracle takes place? Really describe to me in detail. Okay. Now, if someone has lost a limb, they might say, well, I, I never would have lost my leg or I never, never would have gotten sick or something like that. So we'd need to make it clear that the miracle needs to be connected to the way they feel about a problem and start to transcend it. Okay, so we're not, it's not external changes, it's internal changes. The miracle question is a way of looking around the problem and is a great uh, tool for clients who only see the problem and don't yet have a sense of life beyond the problem. You know, when people have problems, they just look at the problem. And you ask about the solution and they talk about the problem. So we're looking at the solution, we're looking around the problem. So often we ask our clients uh, what they'd like to have in their life or what they want from therapy. And so often the response goes something like, I don't want to be depressed, or I don't want to feel scared to pursue my goals. Okay, They're still looking at the problem. The miracle question helps uh, form goals in the positive. So you can read about and watch a quick video of me applying it um, in the link below the video. And still more videos of me using the miracle question with real clients are available inside Uncommon Practitioners TV, but it's an extremely powerful uh, tool for all kinds of practitioners to use. The next technique, or array of techniques, is really important and certainly made all the difference to Charles. So technique number two, don't let the past stand in the way of the future. We are all the sum of our pasts. The unconscious mind builds up associations through experience which have evolved to help us. And when we learn that a hot stove is hot and we avoid placing bare hands on said stove in future, this is an automatic learning that we've gained through past experience, past conditioning. But sometimes our learned associations can be maladaptive in a modern world, as when the unconscious mind produces a flashback to a bomb explosion, even though it's just a firework this time. So you're no longer in the war zone, but you're responding as though you were. Psychotherapists call this faulty pattern matching. And it's useful to see if your client has any faulty pattern matches uh, forged in their past as blocks to their progress. So how do you help your client break free of negative past conditioning so they can move forward in their lives. First off, I want to say that if your client is suffering full-blown flashbacks or a debilitating phobia, this may need to be lifted before further coaching can take place. 
you know, if someone's constantly having flashbacks to some trauma. Charles was lucky enough to go to a coach who, along with an increasing number of life coaches, knew how to use an ethical and comfortable method of quickly lifting trauma. If you haven't been coached in how to use a technique like Rewind, then refer the client to a therapist or other coach who is effective in quickly helping to lift uh, this kind of life-blocking trauma um, or phobia that they might be experiencing. There are plenty uh, of practitioners out there who do know how to use Rewind. But there are other ways to help ease less severe painful memories, such as the context widening technique. Okay, and you can use this immediately with your clients. And this can have amazing results. So take the focus away from the feelings. Okay. According to a study published in Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience, okay, which came out in 2014, if someone has a sub-threshold trauma, which is a memory that's painful to recall but doesn't produce flashbacks or maybe not nightmares, then you can help them feel better about that memory by having them think about it in a new way. Okay, so what is this new way? Well, first, ask them to imagine seeing the memory from the outside. If you're skilled in relaxing your clients, all the better if you know hypnotherapy, as they can do this with their eyes closed and really get into it. Then ask them to focus not on the feelings they had in that time, but the wider context. And remember, this isn't a really traumatic memory, just an unpleasant one that isn't good to think about, that may still be producing current uh, faulty pattern matches. So if someone got humiliatingly yelled at by a boss in a meeting in their previous job, for example, and that memory is stopping them from carefully and confidently speaking in their new job, you could ask them about the incidental context of that day. Okay, so close your eyes. How many people were there? Uh, what was the weather like that day? What kinds of clothes were people wearing? What was the decor like in the room? How big was the room? Where was the door in the room? What were people wearing? And so forth. Okay, we're getting the incidental context, and this seems to diminish the emotional impact of the memory, as weird as that might sound. Doing this seems to re-tag the memory as much less threatening and can have amazing uh, effects. You could even have the client write down as much of this incidental context as they remember, as writing uh, painful memories down can also help soothe the pain and retag the memory in the brain as safe and in the past, because we use a different part of the brain when we write something down. Okay, so we can help change the emotional pattern. On the Uncommon Knowledge blog, you can find a couple of other quick ways to help clients feel better about their pasts so that they can really start to move on into their future. Before dealing with the present, Charles' life coach delved into the past to help him overcome the horror of his flashbacks to when he first heard of his daughter's fatal uh, accident. Okay, so she was very adept at uh, treating uh, PTSD with the rewind technique. With the traumatic feelings gone, Charles could finally engage in other aspects of the coaching process, such as working on his business the reason he had approached his coach in the first place. Technique three, find the exception and find the solution. If a client has an emotional block, then we can seek to find exception times. So times when the block was often unexpectedly lifted. So great questions to ask are, 
When didn't it happen when you might have expected it to? Okay, whatever, with a panic attack or whatever it was. You know, when didn't it happen when you expected it to, when you would have expected it to? What was different about that time? Okay, so we've so much to learn from the exception times. I asked someone, you know, when didn't she feel frightened on an aeroplane? And she said when um, she was so tired and exhausted from being overworked and she went on a plane and she didn't even have the energy to get frightened. So that was an exception time. When your client tells you what was different about the exception time, they may be giving you important clues as to how you can help them overcome the emotional problem. Okay. So how a part of them already knows how not to do the problem, as it were. For example, if someone tells you they just can't seem to get started on a project, you might ask, when have you felt irresistibly drawn to doing something? Okay, so this could be a work piece, the personal project, even a hobby. Have you ever felt like you just had to watch the rest of a movie or you had to binge and see the next episode of something or you just had to read the rest of the book? Have you ever noticed time seemed to vanish as you became deeply engaged in something? Have you ever had an itch that you didn't want to procrastinate scratching? So helping your client recapture that feeling and link it, linking it to a current project is really powerful. If they tell you they uh, feel like a failure, after listening and empathizing so as to match their reality, gently ask them, in what situation have you felt like you did do something well? Okay. So we're looking for exceptions. Okay, we're getting detail about the problem, but we're looking for exceptions. Being a failure isn't a contextless thing. We can only fail at certain things, so break it down. When did they feel accomplished or appreciated in some way? You know, you can only be a total failure if you didn't put your shoes on the right feet. <laughs> if they tell you they can't think of a time, ask them to describe how they would imagine those feelings to be. Okay, what would it be like to feel accomplished and successful. And if you are skilled in inner work, have them evoke these imagined feelings in your office through hypnosis. Exception questions can be therapeutic in themselves because if nothing else, they prove that there are exceptions and they start to break down the absolutist thinking that's behind so many emotional problems. And you can use the tips here to help you use them better in your coaching practice. I think life coaches should have as many tools as they can uh, get to help their clients overcome emotional blocks. If there are issues they feel they haven't got the tools for, then they might want to refer the client to a psychotherapist. If the therapist actually has the required skills and experience, so not all of them do. And for clients such as Charles, some of those tools will help them become ready for coaching and help them towards a new and happier life. Sometimes before you paint a wall, you have to rub down the old wall and get rid of uh, the um, dirt and so forth so that it's a smooth surface to work on. We have to get the brushwood out of the way before we can build something new. In the end, Charles answered his own question. What's the difference between coaching and therapy? He came to realize, of his own accord, his coaching was his therapy because it was just what he needed at the time. One thing Charles said has always stayed with me. My life coach helped me make peace with my past and prepare for my future. And it doesn't get much better than that. So I hope you found that uh, interesting and useful. 
I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and if you'd like to uh, subscribe to my email newsletter you can find it over at unk.com slash blog that's unk.com slash blog mm -hmm.